Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our chief Newcastle United writer, Lee Ryder. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you are on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening later on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow. Lee is back from following Newcastle United in Saudi Arabia. Lee, nice to see you. Uh, I'm sure our listeners and viewers have been keeping up to date with your travels in the middle of Middle East. Uh, just sum up the experience from, from a journalist's point of view, what it was like over there. I mean, yeah, I mean, from, from the moment we we got told that this trip was going to be open to the press. Um, I mean, if you remember the one in January was still sort of coming out the COVID sort of period and the trip to Jeddah was was pretty much a closed trip for, for COVID reasons and, you know, just getting back, getting used to life again. Uh, but this one, you know, from the minute it was apparent that the media were invited on it, uh, I, I was starting to build up to it in my head, um, trying to get my head around it because it's just such a, a unique trip that, you know, you, you've got the sort of dream of, of going around the world with Newcastle United and, uh, to go somewhere like Saudi Arabia is just a, you know, an, an amazing experience to go all that way to the desert, just absolutely brilliant. Um, and I wasn't hundred percent sure what to expect. I've never been to, to that part of the, the world um, in Saudi Arabia. And I have to say, it's probably the, the most friendly place I've ever been to from, from the minute you got off the plane, um, checking in the hotel, the, the staff at Al Hilal, um, the staff at the, the team hotel, it was just so friendly um, all the way through um, to the minute you, you left the country. It was just such a an experience. And you, to be fair, you, you don't always get that in, in, in some places. Uh, it's, it was so, it was just such a, a, a good experience from a journalist's point of view to, to be able to, to go out there and, uh, enjoy the trip but also uh you know get some good quality content from it as well yeah plenty of stuff on the website from Lee and much more to come in, in terms of you know the atmosphere around around the camp Lee you've been on many you've followed Newcastle United around the world you know you've been to many of the training camps do you think the fact that Newcastle are not only third in the Premier League but also they are now under an ownership that are clearly ambitious that obviously plays into to what you've experienced, what the fans have experienced, and ultimately what the players are experiencing when they do go abroad to these camps. Yeah, I mean, a walk around Rehad, you just you see all the, the tall buildings. It's a place that is ambitious. Um, the PIF owners are hugely ambitious. They told the players that uh, over dinner on, I think it was the first night or first sort of full night. Um, the players and they were told well done on everything you've done but we want to keep keep this going and we want more so um, I think 
it's the real deal in terms of owners who want to be the very best in in probably in Europe in the long term. They obviously want to win European trophies, but for now, they just want to keep pushing away in the Premier League. And th this season's already been much better than you know last ten. So long may continue, and I think they've got they've got the full backing of uh, of the owners now. And how does your experience and, and I don't know the, the kind of the facilities that the players have been using, the facilities that you were using out there as well, compared to other trips you've been on? I mean, you've been to China covering Newcastle, you've been uh, to, to New Zealand as well. Do any trips, previous trips, kind of compare to what you experienced over the last week or so? Uh, I think in terms of uh, everywhere I've been around the world, the the supporters. But just there on mass in Newcastle United, you know, even when the, before the takeover, you go to a place like America and China, you know, you see the size of the club. Obviously, we're not quite a Liverpool or a Manchester United, but I tell you, we're, we're up there and, and we're growing because, uh, you know, I, I had like complete, complete strangers uh, previously coming up to me uh, in Saudi Arabia and, and talking about. You know, Chronicle Live talking about Newcastle United, and you know you don't realise sometimes how far the reach is, and that that was a little reminder of it. And I have had that before. Um, people, you know, nice comments, people coming up and saying you enjoy the podcast and things like that. So that 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 part of it was was positive. Um, I think in terms of the facilities, you know, I, th I can see Newcastle going to. Uh, Saudi Arabia regularly now. I mean, obviously, they've just won the this trophy and they're going to have to go back and defend it against some team. But it's just it's just such a big experience out there. And uh, I think they've got the Italian Super Cup. They've got the Milan Derby in Riyadh coming up as well. So they just love the football, absolutely love the football. And, you know, the, the Al-Halal fans were so warm and friendly. They kept, you know, coming up to the press box and, and, and doing the sort of the love sign, which we've seen Gareth Bale do in the past. Um, they were just such nice people. And uh, yeah, I was just delighted with it. The fan event got a lot of coverage. It was great to see not only Eddie Howe and the players, but also the board speaking uh, to fans. Now, there were a few fans who had travelled from, from Tyneside, from the UK, but there were a lot of fans out there who, who live in Saudi Arabia as well. Were you... Uh, surprised at the amount of Saudi Arabian based fans that you know that attended these events and came to support Newcastle. I think you know since the takeover, obviously Newcastle have, have become a name over there as well. Um, but some of the fans I spoke to have been Newcastle fans through um, you know thick and thin, and they were like talking about they were talking about the the, the sort of pain of the last twelve years under the previous owner and and now this fan event was just something I've never really experienced that level of uh, you know star studded guest list um, completely open Q&A they really wanted people's views there was huge sheets of paper on, on every table and they were asking for how would you improve the club what can we do better it was just such an open dialogue and I think really before that, you did have like fan meetings where you'd have to wait for like weeks and weeks just for the minutes to sort of to come round, and you know we'd be, we'd all be like looking through them, 
looking for like little bits of positivity, but this was just something else. I mean, Amanda Stavely, uh, Jamie Rubin, Darren Eels, uh, all on stage, then Eddie Howe, then the players. It was just such a great, uh, great fan engagement experience and hopefully one that can uh, can be repeated soon. It's just something that I don't think you would get that at, at most clubs, to be honest. Uh, but this, this for me was a really positive experience and everyone there, you know, there's about 100 people there, thoroughly enjoyed the event and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a whistle stop sort of thing where it was just, you know, people jumping on stage and off. It was really thorough and lasted the best part of three hours. And then even after it, um, when it finished, there was sort of like an area where you could, you could mingle with whoever you wanted and just have a little chat. And I just thought that was just so impressive from, from the club's point of view. Mm. I mean, you've got a piece of recently on chroniclelive.co.uk and there's a video as well where you've spoken to a few fans and one of the lines was that, you know, the communication, that's all Newcastle United fans ever want, was just to be able to communicate with those um, at the very top. And we're seeing that here on Tyneside and obviously over there in Saudi Arabia. Also great to see so many UK-based fans uh, travelling over as well. I mean, that's a, a big commitment, especially in these hard times. So great to see that. I'm just wondering, um, from a from a player perspective, Lee, and from Eddie Howe's perspective, and also the board, what do you think they get out of going on stage and opening up um, in themselves to you know questions from the fans and, and, and engaging with them in person? I, I think you, you get respect basically from from the office. I think to be fair, since the takeover went through, there's been a lot of respect uh, there from the officer. You know. In fact, the takeover hadn't actually been rubber stamped and myself and some of the other journalists were already on the way to the Jesmond Dean Hotel the day of the takeover to do a sit down with Amanda Stavely. And we never had that once under under Mike Ashley um, that we had it, you know, on day one. So from day one, there has been a clear um, sort of policy on communication and since then, we've sat down with Darren Eels, we've sat down with Dan Ashworth, we've had many good chats with Eddie Howe, we had another really long chat at the team hotel um, in Riyadh. So the communication policy is just, it's just a different, uh, in a different place to, to where it was before. I mean, it wouldn't have taken much improvement under Mike Ashley because it was pretty much north percent. He was only interested in in dealing with one outlet and um, sadly, you know, it wasn't the local media. So from from a Newcastle point of view now, it's it's much better. Um, we've gone over there and, and we've all got, you know, some good stuff from it. So I, I think, yeah, hats off to, you know, the board for doing what they did and obviously Eddie Howe and the, and the management team. Yeah, Douglas, uh, Doug Hall there says our owners seem to get it and that seems to be the view of many people um, when you speak to them about these kind of events. Um, it wasn't just the footballing side of things, Lee, in terms of, you know, Eddie Howe and, and Amanda Stavey, you know, the, the commercial side of things as well. That played a part in, the, in this trip. You had, um, you know, new deals being announced during the, the, the time you were there as well. I mean, how important is that commercial side? And I mean, you know, it's, it's no secret that Newcastle are starting um, a few places behind because of where it went under Mike Ashley commercially, but how important is it to get the brand of Newcastle out there 
to potentially very wealthy companies over in the Middle East who may want to sponsor Newcastle in one way or another? Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely vital. I mean, obviously, the financial fair play is, is an important thing. You can't just, you know, as as much money as, as we're told is, is around, you can't just go out and spend what you want. There's rules and they've got to adhere to them. And that part of that is, is to, you know, to it's a business at the end of the day and Newcastle United have been underwhelmed really with the deals that they've had. Some of the deals that were inherited by uh, the new owners, they've now got, uh, you know, Peter Silverstone at the club from Arsenal. That's a major signing for Newcastle United. This is a guy who struck some unbelievable deals uh, for Arsenal. And obviously you've got Darren Eales on board, who that's a huge part of Atlanta United in America. I don't know if you've seen the, the stadium they've got there, the Mercedes-Benz arena. It's just unbelievable. So there's there's a lot of, there's so much positives. And uh, I think getting these deals, even the shirt sleeve deals or, um, you know, little partnerships going, going forward, it all adds up and you know you've got to really maximize maximize your potential commercially if you want to like you know go in with the heavyweights uh hopefully in the years to come they're going to be going in there with with man city and liverpool and, and maybe the, the bigger clubs in europe but it, it just seems like such an exciting club to be around at the moment yeah it does it does definitely to see the event so well attended latest fan event and then the the support that Newcastle had in the, the the stands as well for the friendly. I mean, do you think that was an important thing to see for those over in Saudi Arabia, those at the PAF, to to kind of really be able to feel in, in person in many ways just how popular this this club is? Yeah, and I think they just got they just got it straight away as well. Like you know, then the game obviously Newcastle won. It was only a friendly. But it was a friendly that was taken serious, if you like. I think both teams, you know, contested well. 5-0 was probably a little bit unfair on Al-Halal because they did have a couple of good spells in the game. Newcastle were just really lethal with the, with the finishing. But but at the end of the game, when Newcastle, you know, got the cup, um, you know, the Bladen Racers just starts belting out around the stadium. You're, like, you're in the middle of, like, the desert and the Bladen Racers is, you know, blaring out the speakers. Um Linda's fawn run for home as, as the players were on the pitch. And it was like, it was almost quite emotional, like fireworks going off, but it was like spectacular and uh, just exactly what exactly what the supporters uh, you know dream of nights like that. And the, the fans who went over there made that long journey will never will never forget that. So it was just a great experience and hopefully uh, the first of many. Yeah, hopefully it is. Um Thomas Payne says what PIF and the owners have done inside of 12 months is incredible. You can't ever remember a bigger turnaround of a club. Um, Eddie Howe as well. Credit there's due for what he's done on the, the pitch. Um, one of the, the players, Lee, in that friendly game who um, caught the eye in, in the podcast directly after the game, you mentioned um, Stevenson. He got his goal. Um, John here asks, do you think he's ready for a run in the first team? I think... He's certainly in and around. He's challenging um, the first team because he's he's been training with them. He was obviously with the, the team for part of the pre-season. He made his first team debut at St James Park. I think it was against Atlanta. Um, then he comes off the bench, and if you look at the if you look at his goal, uh, you know he starts and finishes that move. 
deep in his own half, plays a one-two with Ryan Fraser, great ball um, from Stevenson to Fraser, then a great ball back to the back post and uh, he applies the finish and it was just a great, great moment for him. Uh, I was lucky enough to catch up with him after the game and have a little chat and he was just absolutely buzzing uh, with it, talking about uh, wearing his medal when he's walking around Blythe, which is where he's from. A really down-to-earth lad and, you know, one that has the certainly an opportunity to, to push on now. I think if I'm being realistic, um, running the first team might be a little bit ambitious given the, the players Newcastle have got at the moment. doesn't mean he won't do it in the future, but I think probably the next logical step for him will be, um, well, maybe he might get a, a little taste of the action in, in the, one of the Cups, uh, Bournemouth coming up and then obviously Sheffield Wednesday away. So, that's a that's a, a realistic aim for him, and then after that, I think second half of the year, go out on loan. I think would be a really nice uh, step for him. Maybe get 20 games under your belt in the AFL, even if it's League Two. Go go out, get that experience, and then come back in pre-season, and then that's your chance to to really shine. But everything he's done so far has been really good, and you know to have that goal under his belt will it's put put a little thought in the the head of Eddie Howe. That's for sure. He wasn't the only youngster who was on the plane with Newcastle United. I mean, just how important is that experience, even if you don't necessarily get the minutes, but just to be in and around the, the first team, how important is that, Lee, do you think, for aiding the development of some of these these kids who hopefully will go on to be the next big thing at Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, th- this is it for, for the for the youngsters coming into the squad to get that great experience. Uh, but the one thing that probably should be reminded of is this is really it's a small window of opportunity because you've got hundreds of kids behind you in the academy and some of them get to the first team stage and then we don't see them again so it's, this is their opportunity to shine now and it won't be a long window they haven't got like six or seven years of this they've got probably about 18 months where they, they can really impress so it's either go out on loan and get success there like Elliot Anderson did, going further back, Paul Dummett. Paul Dummett, you know, when the gate said there was players around him almost taking the mickey out of him, and he's gone to Gateshead, been a success, gone to St Mirren, been a success, come back, and, and he's a first-team player. So you ask Paul Dummett about the importance of going going out on loan, he, know, he knows exactly what it's all about. So that's probably where a lot of these youngsters should be looking now. There will be the odd one, who just goes straight in and you know stays there, but it's very difficult to. Sometimes I think the the rise to the top can probably feel easier, but it's it's getting to the top and staying at the top that is the real task in football, and that's something I've noticed from uh, however many years it is now I've been covering Newcastle United. Obviously, I mean you've covered the, the youngsters as well for for many many years. And this is meant in no disrespect to the, the people who were there beforehand, but how important is it now that Newcastle in Dan Ashworth, they've got someone who has got a track record in making sure there's a, either a pathway to the first team or out on loan. Someone that, you know, Shola Miobi can learn off as loan manager, but that pathway is so essential. Someone experienced who can make sure that these youngsters are getting their chances, whether it be in the black and white in Newcastle or elsewhere. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely vital, and I think uh, Shola Miobi sort of touched on it when we were there about Elliot Anderson going to Bristol Rovers. 
going down to League Two. And then, you know, he comes back a legend a few months later, having got Bristol Rovers up into the um, up, up to League One. I think they would have loved to have re-signed him. I think there's probably a queue of championship clubs wanted him. But he, he ended up getting the opportunity to stay here. And, yeah, the second half of the season is going to be interesting for him. Um, does he stay and continue a challenge? Or did he possibly look at a loan, a loan deal for, for him as well? I, I'm not 100% sure yet. It's important that they keep getting the game time, but he's done unbelievably well. And um, I think, you know, he's got the contract that he dreamed of now. So he's in a, a really good place. And it's down to those decisions, as you say, the sporting directors, Sean Amiobi, who's, who's a loan manager and looking after a lot of uh, lot of the young players now. He was actually on the trip as well. And, uh, you know, just having chats with, with the younger players about what could come next. and. Yeah, people like Dylan Stevenson are on that list. It's going to be an interesting return for Alan St. Maxman as well. You spoke to him during this trip. It's been an interesting time for him. You know, last season, the season before, he was often the only man that looked like he could really do anything for Newcastle. It seemed to be passed the ball to Maxine's and hopefully something will, something will come off. This time around, it's not the same. Newcastle have got other star players in that side. He, Hasn't featured of late. Yes, he's had his fitness and injury issues. Um, what was his mindset like? Because it's it's going to be an interesting return to the team for him, and whether he can actually force his way back into the starting eleven. Yeah, we we sat down and spoke with him at the hotel, and he was in really in a really good place, good spirits. Um, we've been working very hard, um, ready to to sort of inflict that sort of explosiveness that he's got in the final third of Premier League defences. And I think he, he realises that he can't just walk back into the team now. In the past, Newcastle were almost, um, you know, hanging the hat on on Alan Maximum and he did very well. But now he knows that, you know, he could have left this club and he could have gone somewhere <clears throat> bigger or better. But I think now he knows that got a battle for his place um but i mean i'm confident that he once he's back in the team he'll be we'll be seeing exactly what we want to see from him i think that manchester city game earlier in the season unbelievable wasn't it the 3-3 three, three way you know was just absolutely sensational so that's what you're looking for from him that's what he can deliver and um i think i think he's acutely aware of what he has to bring to the table now do you think does, does that benefit him in many ways? As in, you know, it's not just all on his shoulders. You've got Bruno in the middle. You've got Callum Wilson. You've got other players who are scoring goals, Almiron, for example. And he can just kind of get about his day job on the pitch without the pressure of being the star man. Yeah, and, you know, the, it's it's not just Sir Maximin who's got the, the battle on his hands to, to, to get his place. You know, it's even sort of Callum Wilson... You've got Isaac now coming back from fitness to two fitness rather, and um, I think what we're we're seeing is a squad where there's one or two players really battling for the position, up to three players in some positions. You need to be like a Man City or an Arsenal where you've got that competition for places, and uh, it's brewing very nicely for Newcastle at the moment. Back on Tyneside, they've got the friendly this weekend and then you've got that game against Bournemouth in, in, in the League Cup. And 
many people felt that this break came at the wrong time for Newcastle, absolutely flying high, third in the Premier League, brilliant results. John's asked, do you think it will take time for Newcastle to get back into the rhythm or will they just pick up where they left off before the break? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's something we've all probably, in the last few weeks since the final whistle went on that Chelsea game, it is, is there going to be any kind of loss of momentum? Uh, it is a concern, I would say, because it's almost like a new season starting, really. We're going into the second half now, but everyone's a lot has happened in that sort of few weeks. And that has got to be the aim for Newcastle to... I think the, the best way that you can you can almost kill that argument is by winning that game against Bournemouth and win it comfortably um, in the League Cup and march on into the quarterfinals. Sounds easy sitting here saying it now, but that that's the one way to to, to kill that argument, you know, straight off the straight off the back. Because um, if they do, you know, dare I say it, lose a game or, or, or draw a game in the Premier League. Then questions, questions, you know, are going to start to be asked. There's a lot of uh, supporters of other clubs would love to see Newcastle start to tumble down the league, but I think really, what they're in the in the position they've got, they've, they've earned it, and and now they've got to you know really back it up. I mean, I said this actually when I was talking earlier. How if you if you can replicate what you have in the first 15 games. Into the into the the next fifteen games, the running is going to be you know not only battling for a Champions League place, but without getting carried away. If if you do if you do what you've done in the next, what you've done in the last fifteen and the next fifteen, you, whether you like it or not, you're going to be talked about as a contender for the for the main prize. So don't want to put any pressure on anyone, but that's uh, that's the level where Newcastle have ended up at. Yeah, I mean, Dan Byrne said, didn't he, that they're, they're not in a false position. Um, they deserve to be there. That you know, The performances that they've put in, the results they've, they've got, they do deserve to be there. It's going to be so interesting to see whether they can maintain this form. But the best way, like you say, to go about that is getting the results. It's kind of that simple. And the friendly win. Yeah, the friendly win and then a friendly win on, on Saturday as well. Just getting that momentum back up to scratch. And I think one thing that was interesting about the friendly, like you said, Lee, it was competitive and we'll probably see exactly the same attitude against uh, against the side on Saturday as well, where it will be competitive because it's a good opportunity for players who aren't necessarily in that starting eleven to showcase what they can do. But also, everyone's just so unified and they just want to get that momentum building again ahead of Bournemouth um, and ahead of the, the game after that. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a perfect game for them really at the weekend. Against uh, good opposition, we have Alacano, and I think ju- just judging by, I've had a few people asking me about tickets. Uh, I think I had a little look on the website last night, and it looks like most areas are, are sold out around the ground. Um, I'm not sure if level seven's open or not, but even even a thirty thousand plus crowd for a, a mid-season friendly is um, is absolutely sensational. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people. With early Christmas presents, uh, tickets for this game, but it's just the perfect way to get warmed up for for the League Cup game. And then obviously that that Boxing Day trip to Leicester as well. Which uh, if New, Newcastle can make a statement in that game and 
you know, hopefully stay in the, that, that's got to be the challenge is to stay in that top three. 100%. I'm going to apologise now because there's building work going on on the floor below and they've just decided to start drilling. I thought we'd got through the episode without it so we can hear it. I do apologise. Nothing I can do about it. Um, I just want to briefly speak about the World Cup. England went out um, against France. Uh, Kieran Trippier, Nick Pope coming back. Brazil had heartache as well. Is there a challenge on Eddie Howe's hands, on Jason Tindall's hands to pick up these players? Or they're professionals, they will, you know, they've suffered heartache before, just as they've suffered success, um, or welcomed success, and they'll just get on with it? Uh, I think they'll be looking forward to, to getting back to working with Eddie Howe. I think that's the, um, they probably missed his sort of, uh, his coaching a little bit. Especially, I think probably, Kieran Trippier and Callum Wilson will feel, um, well, probably and Nick Pope as well, will feel that they could have played more of a part at the World Cup, uh, as, as good as you know the roles have got were. Um, but I think looking back on Saturday night, um, I was quite disappointed, really. I, I know the referee had his moments, but it was, yeah, it was disappointing and you know the as well as England have done I think it's when they get to, to the these stages where they're playing the sort of so-called bigger names the, you know your Croatia's Italy in the Euros final now France in the last stages that's got to be the next step for England now to to, to beat one of these teams and um you know make that final push but you know look, they've had worse World Cups than this there's no doubt about that. Uh, but just it was a little bit disappointing because had they had they beat France, then I think they pretty much had an open, not not an open passage per se, but you know a, a real opportunity to win the World Cup if you beat France. That was that was arguably as as big as a final that one, and yeah, they didn't didn't take it. Some things didn't go. Well, um, some things went against them, but that's got to be the uh, that's got to be the sort of the next step for Gareth Southgate or whoever is uh, the next England manager. Well, that was going to be my next question. Um, lots of talk about Eddie Howe potentially becoming the next England manager. Lots of fans calling for him. Um, will Newcastle be worried? I mean, there's nothing to say Gareth Southgate's going to walk away from the England job. His contract runs till the end of the the Euros, so there's you know, the FA seem keen to keep him. Will Newcastle will be worried about the rumours and, and, and some people's clamour for Eddie Howe to become the next manager of England? I think, well, my gut reaction to whether Eddie Howe will be the next England manager is that I don't think he will because I don't think he sees the England job as the next logical step. Um, he's building something in Newcastle. To walk away from a top three challenge and still being in the cups and still being the man who has ended the trophy drought at Newcastle would be would be a huge thing to walk away from. I mean, there's still a guy as it stands, Gareth Southgate is is still in a job, um, but I don't I don't get the sense that Eddie Howe wants to walk away from this, uh, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, he's already said it as well that one day the England job could be an appeal to him, but. The key words were 
when we last spoke to him about this was um, day-to-day involvement. And I think someone who's just someone who's thinking of football from the minute he wakes up, the minute he goes to bed, uh, is is in the right job at the moment, especially with the exciting project that's going on at Newcastle. Um, for all that, I don't know. I've never been in. I've never. I will. I will never be in that position where someone says, "Do you want to be in the, the manager of England?" And you know that opportunity might only come around once. You know, there's a lot of managers who've said that that they wish they'd taken the job. Um, so, obviously, I want him 100% stay at Newcastle United. I think he's he, he's up there with your Keegan's and Sir Bobby Robson's. You know, but um, we'll just have to see what happens. I'm I'm pretty confident as we sit here now that he, he will still be Newcastle manager, regardless of what what happens uh, with England. A couple of little. Observations on Southgate. His interviews. I think he referred. He referred to the the defeat against Hungary at, at Wolves at Molyneux in the summer. I was actually there that night covering uh, covering England because of the uh, involvement of uh, Kieran Trippier, and it was a horrible night to be an England fan. And I think the the backlash. I, I was really surprised but I mean it was yeah it was 4-0 against Hungary but the backlash Southgate got that night was was pretty bad uh, so soon to when they got to a final of the Euros just a year before and he's, he's referenced that in his comments since um, and then the other thing that the other little red flag from his comments were that I think if I'm right he said something like that he probably won't be watching the semi-finals or the final because he's so dejected so as an international manager that if you're not going to want to watch that then that would be a little bit of a red flag for me um, look I think the FA want him to stay he's got a contract I mean the, look he he will kill off the speculation about Eddie Howe by committing his future to England um, he's got two years left on his contract the Euros, the Euros in uh, Euros in sight for 2024. Does he have one last tilt at it? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But you knows a lot of people um, want him to stay, and then I've seen a lot of people that think it's time for a change. So it'll come down to uh, it'll come down to Gareth Southgate, really. Yeah, one to watch. Um, could be asking about transfers, Lee. But just before we finish on that. Um, another plug for the fans, footballer of the year. I'm going to pop the link into the comments. This is where you can vote for Bruno. He's up against uh, a host of the world's best players, um, and he needs your vote to be crowned fans, footballer of the year. He didn't feature uh, all that often during the World Cup, Lee. I suppose in many ways that's a, a positive for Newcastle because he comes back um, without picking up an injury. He comes back without tiring himself out, of course. We would have loved to have seen him play more minutes for Brazil. Um, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see him in Newcastle in, in, black, in black and white again, and hopefully picking off from where he, he left off here before he went to the World Cup. Yeah, I think um, he's obviously a key player. He will be feeling probably as low as we are as as England fans. Um, I was... I was 
watch actually watching the um the Brazil game on the plane on the way back, which was unbelievable that you can do that these days. And I, I couldn't actually believe that Brazil were out. It was just unbelievable what happened to them on penalties. And I think he, you could see how devastated Bruno was. He hasn't had the tournament that he would have liked. He hasn't played as much as he would have wished for. So he might be a player that needs picking up when he gets back. I think Eddie Howe the, is the exact guy to do that. So, yeah, hopefully he can quickly process what, what's gone on at the World Cup and, and move on. And to be honest, once you get past sort of, once you get Christmas out of the way and move into Boxing Day, the fixtures in the Premier League, as we all know, are going to be flying at us thick and fast and the World Cup will, will soon be a distant memory. And that's probably a good thing for, for Newcastle fans and the players. Yeah, I guess it's made a little bit easier as well by Newcastle's position. You know, going well in the Cup, uh, where they are in the league. And yeah, they've had a heartache over there in Qatar, but they can come back in and it's a nice atmosphere to be in and things are, are clearly looking up. Um, a quick mention then for January, a couple of questions for you, Lee. Um, we'll roll them into one. We've got Kesser man here saying... Who do you think, um, or what do you think Newcastle United's January targets will be, and what positions? And then we've got John also asking whether you think transfer activity will be influenced by the league position. And I guess um, on John's point there, it's not the first time Newcastle have been in this position. People will remember uh, back under Alan Pardew when Newcastle signed Pat Cici in the hope of breaking the top four. A little bit similar in terms of kind of the position and, and I guess the prize, obviously the ambition of the owners is thankfully a lot different. But um, on John's point there, do you think plans will have changed because of where Newcastle sit in the league? Do you think, it, in his words, um, it, it might be an idea to push the boat out to help secure the top four dream? Yeah, I think, I think that this is an opportunity to really nail down that Champions League place probably two years. Probably two years ahead of schedule, I would say, because I would, I would, you know, football's it, it's it's funny, isn't it? That this season would have probably all been happy with a mid-table uh, and a bit of a cup run, and then next season we might have been talking about getting into the Europa, Europa Conference League or Europa League, and then maybe the season after you would say Champions League, but here they are, twelve months after fighting against relegation. Uh, six months after finishing 11th, they suddenly find themselves with this golden opportunity to get, you know, the golden ticket and really boost the club finances. And yeah, I think you've got to speculate to accumulate a bit. And I think that maybe I, I can't, I don't think that uh, the urgency, 12 months ago, we were like really up against it in terms of staying in the Premier League. It was like, you know, do or die in terms of getting players in. We haven't quite got that this year, but I think that they're very open-minded about what what they do next. Um, certainly, I think there's a there's a clutch of players who, you know, may may feel the benefit of a move and an exit to get football elsewhere, which would throw in the opportunity of um, you know new players coming in. I don't think they're going to sit on their hands. I think they will, they will invest in the window. 
and I think it's pretty much pretty much an open mind, really. I think that's that's the best way of, of putting it. You know, no one's gonna I don't even think Eddie Howe could present you now a list of guarantees in terms of names, but I certainly know that they've had meetings and they're gonna have more meetings. And you know, come the first week of January, that is gonna be a, a very interesting, a very interesting time indeed. Is there a position that, in your opinion, should be a priority? You know, some people say another forward to come in, um, maybe another centre midfielder. Some um, would like to see maybe another right back to provide cover for for Kevin Trippier with the Mealcraft's injury. Um, is there a position that stands out for you where you'd like to see strengthened as a priority in January? I think, for me, it would it would probably be another central midfielder. I would say. Um, bring 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 someone in who's going to allow Bruno to push up that bit more because I think he, that's that's going to be his best position moving forward. Um, but then for all that, you've got Joe Willock playing very well, Sean Longstaff playing very well, and John Joe Shelby coming back from from an injury in pre-season. So there's so many options in there. Um, I mean, you look at even the left back area, where Matt Target you thought was was pretty bulletproof um, at the end of last season, he had a great run. And then you know someone like Dan Byrne, the gauntlet's been thrown down to him. He's not only been brilliant when he was playing centre back last season, he's he's keeping a first class left back out of the team. He started almost every game. He's played at left back, and he's just looked unshakable in that position. So there's so many. That, that's that's what happens when you sign good players. Um, they can come in and do a job and make it very difficult for someone to someone to get back in. As as someone like Kieran Trippier's moved coming in at right back and been an absolute revelation. And you know, as you say, you might need cover there, but um, it's going to take someone unbelievable to to get past Kieran Trippier on that side. So uh, it's just nice to be talking about having so many good options, really. It is, isn't it? And you mentioned there, Shelby is one of the names um, that you mentioned there. And he's, he's obviously coming back from a, from a bit of an injury issue. So he's another one, like you say, is thrown at the mix. It's going to be so interesting, even without a new arrival, to see who actually fits into that midfield because everyone seems to be on such good form. But it's, uh, like you say, it's refreshing to be able to say that. Um, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thanks to Lee for popping on to the podcast and sharing his experience over in Saudi Arabia with you guys, the listeners. Please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep your date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including a piece that's just gone up from Lee on that fan event and uh, why the club is now back, in one word of the fans, back with the, the, the fans, and that's all you've ever wanted, that importance of communication. So head over, give that a read. And uh, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Thank you very much for tuning in.